0: I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. cause this is my road. let's get my action, I'm ready to go, I'm never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP 103.5
1: FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone, good morning. Good morning. Um, it's Monday, October 24th, 2022, and most folks, uh, and I'm not, when I say most folks, I'm not being judgmental, but uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October is pretty pretty well known, but actually this show we could do any time of the year, any moment of the year, any day of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, breast cancer and early detection, how it literally saves lives, but we're not only going to talk about it, but we're, we're blessed to have someone that's uh deeply committed and passionate and embedded in this issue and, and working in this issue. That's it. And I'm assuming, although I haven't met Ab- Abigail Washington in person, I'm going to say that she's a, this is a, a work of love as well as a, a work of dedication. Uh, so telling our story, Abigail's story, she's a mammographer. And the topic, again, is breast cancer early detection saves lives. Let me just mention that, as I mentioned, this month, uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you've probably i have seen the pink pink ribbons or maybe participated in some fundraisers or, or walks or even the upcoming Sister's Journey, pink tea. But this disease has impacted the lives of many individuals and their loved ones, white, black, red, green, yellow, brown, whatever, however you identify yourself. But according to the American Cancer Society, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in the United States, second only to skin cancer. But, but for whatever reasons, and we're going to try to explore those reasons, we may not have a solution at the end of these 50 minutes, but we're going to pursue the, the, the search for truth. But of braver concern is the fact that Black women are more likely to die from breast cancer than any other race or ethnic group. And uh, uh, that, that might sound like we're starting on a somber note, but this is a, our shows, the show is a show of joy. And Abigail is going to bring some joy to us, Reverend Alvin uh, Clayton is going to bring some joy, and, and Reverend uh, Leroy Perry is going to bring some joy. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Abigail, good morning. How are you doing, dear?
2: Good morning. I am doing very well. Thank you.
1: Good. It's really so good to see you. And, and as we kind of mentioned, the, uh, actually, the National Breast Cancer Foundation reports that one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. Uh, but when the breast cancer is detected in the earliest stages, and we're going to talk about this as well, and, and that's why it's very repeating, that the five-year relative survival rate is 99%. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
1: Reverend Perry, tell us a little bit about why we're, why we're having this show this morning in terms of telling our story. It's really I think important for people to know that stories resonate through the centuries, and this story is going to resonate, and hopefully we'll have a, an, an uplift, resignation, so to speak, uh, when, when the story ends. But tell, tell us about the series and how today's topic, uh, how, how today's topic was chosen.
0: Thank you, Tom. Um, we have been trying to reach our community uh, in ways that could be impactful. And so we realized that one of the ways that it could be impactful, if we could have people of color tell their story, mm. because in telling their story, they're telling our story. And so we, we, we choose topics that are relevant to the community, like uh, the breast cancer that we're doing today, and um, we did the sickle cell, we mm. did the new flu vaccine. because Black people normally are the last to get involved and perhaps the last to be informed. So what this show does for us is that it helps us to inform members of our community and then look at somehow at why there is such a gap and such disparity in getting this information out. So, you know, I thank you again for the show and, you know, uh, keeping it real, keeping it live is what we're doing. And I appreciate... uh, Ms. Washington being on the show because she's in she's in the room. Mm. <laughs> and, and and she's a person of color who's in the room. And and this is this is so important that that uh, that we get this message out and um and maybe we can we can encourage others to do early detection. Excellent. So if you if you know it's not going to be harmful to be in the room with Sister Washington, <laughs> and that it might save your life, then you should be watching this show and you should be passing this show on to everybody you know in your family and in your community. So again, Excellent. thank you for the show, Tom, and thank you, Sister Washington, for being on the show.
1: Sister Washington, Abigail, uh, Mrs. Washington, tell us about your about yourself and uh, tell us a little, a little bit about your family.
2: I live a busy um, professional and personal life i worked in the midwest for many years at a hospital there over 20 years i thought that i would um travel to explore something different after working at the same facility for so long Mm -hmm. so here i am on the east coast i'm excited i also try to manage uh, two girls back home. Mm. One's 21, the other's 29. The 29-year-old is finishing up her master's degree and the 21-year-old is super excited. She just got accepted into nursing school. Mm. So I talk to them at least once or twice a week and also I have done some freelance photography. I have particularly done events, um, weddings, funerals, um, just some sports photography for the newspaper. I'm not doing much of that now due to my travel and adjusting to a new environment. I also would like to say that I grew up in a busy home Mm -hmm. and that means I come from uh, a family of eight five sisters, it was five mm-hmm. girls and four boys, um, three boys. Of course, we fought all the time, me and the mm-hmm. girls over everything, clothes, this, that, you know, so mm-hmm. I had to learn how to share at an early age. And also, I lived in a community where people had a lot of kids. So I had to also share with other people in the community. And mm-hmm. so I find it a joy. Way to serve and i find it joyful given to others and that's what actually brings me to this place in my life
1: mm, tremendous tremendous so, so let's drill down a little further and and not to leave our our audience our listeners and our viewers uh uh wondering tell us about you know your your work and, and how how your, you referenced the passion how it's developed but tell us about about your work as well and, and you're you're being in the room, I mean, that's so important, as Reverend Perry has indicated.
2: I actually, I think I got into, well, I know I got into mammography um, incidental. I say it's incidental, but it's all the will of God. I have, so my mom um, passed away of a rare stomach cancer at 48. I was 29 at the time, and I thought, you know, I don't want to be another statistic Mm. and I don't want to be this person that's unhealthy and die at an early age because death um, has so much impact on other people, meaning your, your children, the grandchildren, people in the community. It just has such an effect on people. So if I could do something to prolong my life, I wanted to do that. So I just started with eating healthy and being intentional about that and working out. And so with me having that type of energy, I passed it on to other people. So that was always like the highlight of my life is to motivate someone to eat healthy, motivate someone to exercise. And I also motivated other people um, to get educated because I know what it feels like to be low, if you will, or be in a place where, you don't know where your next step like um i I remember being 30 and thinking where am i going to go from here where is my next step in life and so that was a hard place to be in i got through that so i encourage other people to do so
1: and, and just be, just before I bring in Reverend Clayton and Reverend Perry, uh, you are a registered m- mammographer, and we hear often about you know, doctors and nurses. But I'm just intrigued with a registered m- mammographer and a breast uh, sonographer. So what's what's in, you know put, put 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 us in the room? Reverend Perry might not might not need a mammogram today, but you know one day he might come. <laughs> but put 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 us in the room. What does a re- registered uh, mammographer and breast cancer sonographer do?
2: So for me, I, um, and we know that, um, screening mammograms is key every year. It's, um, key to it's early detection. So Mm -hmm. if you're doing your screening mammograms every year, you're able to detect, uh, a cancer early and through Mm -hmm. mammograms. And so mammograms is just, um, you you come into a room and of course we explain the um the procedure to you and we do about four views and we actually let you go. The doctor reads that, we actually send a report to my chart. And so being a breast sonographer, it actually go hands in hand hand in hand. It's a tool for mammography. So mm-hmm. mammography and breast sonography actually works together. Mm-hmm. So if you see something on the breast and it's indeterminate, you can do an ultrasound, which work off a of sound waves to better determine what's there to help you move. If nothing is there or something is there to, um, if And if you need to move to the next step, like a breast MRI or a biopsy.
1: Excellent. And just what you you mentioned, that process is so important for people to to know what to expect Uh, in in the media. I guess in the last 10 years, sometimes I've heard in terms of when you should have your your mammogram, 40, 50, depending on your race, your your age. You know,
2: there is a lot of fact, there is factors into when you would have your mammogram. Let's say, for instance, um, your mother gets uh, breast cancer at age 40, then you would get your mammogram 10 years early at age 30. Mm. So those are the Mm. variations. And if you have a high risk factor, which means if your mother or your sister has breast cancer, you will consult with your doctor about getting your mammogram sooner.
1: Mm. All the more reason for a show like this. That this this is so important, so so important. Uh, we hear about this the higher incidence of uh, black women have, developing breast cancer, and even before the age of forty, as you mentioned, and it depends on perhaps your family history, uh, and particularly if we compare that with the rates of white for white women. And again, I'm not looking for you to get the Nobel Prize when I ask this question, but do, do you have a, do you have an idea about what why that is?
2: So I feel like um, African American women are slow about coming in for their mammogram on time, if you will. You know, starting at 40. Um, versus 45 Mm. makes a difference so if you have a cancer you if you have it at the age of 39 or 40 and you're waiting all this time five years or four years or whatever then your prognosis is going to be different Mm. you know you Mm. and so sometimes um with our women um sometimes they will say to me oh, this hurts so bad and this is so uncomfortable or they would say, I don't have a family history of breast cancer or I'm just trusting God to that everything is okay and that I'm healed so I'm not going to worry about this lump. So I have um, heard that many times.
1: It just it just occurred to me, Reverend Clayton. In discussions earlier, it seems to me there was you've had some uh, experience—not personal experience in terms of your medical history—but you've had some experience with uh, some some of your parishioners, uh, women, a particular per- person that was diagnosed early uh, and did not have a family history. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, actually, what what happened there, Tom? And good morning to to you and to. Uh, abigail so happy to see you both um i was watching a news story Mm -hmm. and uh there were two women in this particular uh, story that had breast cancer um at an early age in their 30s and one was late 20s and her family their families had no history of so, I, I was wondering in cases like that, or do you think that perhaps it should be suggested that all women start getting mammograms uh, at, at an early age?
2: I don't know that that would be su- suggested. I don't know because. There is cases of people getting um, breast cancer at the age of 29 and 30 and early on, but those are rare cases, if you will. That doesn't happen every day in the grand um, scheme of everything, so... um, I feel like uh, 40 is a reasonable age, like I said, unless you have a family history. And so these people don't have a history of breast cancer, but we know that the history starts somewhere. It has to start with someone. Mm -hmm. And again, we are getting to know our bodies and consulting with the doctor early on if we feel like something is abnormal.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, yes Tom, I, mm-hmm. I I think that uh, one of the things that that, uh, in looking at Reverend Clayton's question, is that because of the social determinants in health in this country, and because of implied bias with regards to many in the medical profession, when our when our women go, you know, it seems to me that some of the things that may be costly to us are not recommended. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, if you were a person who had influence and had money or your doctor had a relationship with you, these issues might be brought up earlier. So one of the things that I think what we should be positing in this show is taking charge of our health. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, know, you don't have to have a sister or a brother or anybody who had breast cancer. You need to take charge of your health and then and maybe say to your doctor, um, do you think I need, you know, my, my sister had, because um, he's not, he's not, he may not even ask the question, but you may need to tell him that I had members of my family, my mother or sister who had this or died from it. What are your suggestions? And if he's not the kind of doctor who's going to work with you, then you need to find another doctor. Mm-hmm. That's my, that would be my mm-hmm. recommendation. Mm-hmm. Because the social determinants of health are are, are are the fact that if you don't have health insurance, if you can't get to your doctor, or you're not used to having a yearly checkup, how do we change this scenario within our women, within our community? That's right. And I think that that's where our mission must focus if we are to go ahead and to change the outcomes in this field.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and Mrs. Wojcicki, just as Reverend Perry was mentioning, what are some of the
0: Are there any risk factors that,
1: uh, in terms of, you know, taking charge of your health, are there any risk factors that folks should be aware of?
2: The risk factors, um, one of the risk factors is just being a woman. That puts you (coughs) at risk of breast cancer. (coughs) Another (coughs) risk factor is your age. As you age, the risk for breast cancer increases, although it's less intense as if you were younger and the um, cancer is amp- just being ramped up by your hormones. Um, so those two things put you at risk. Um, um, family history, uh, mother, sister, um, puts you at a higher risk of breast cancer. Obesity puts you at risk. Lack of exercise puts you at risk. Um, mm. Too much alcohol puts you at risk. So those are just um, a few. Um, of the many risk factors, because there are a lot of things—the environment, a lot of things—puts us at risk of um, breast cancer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and just, and just as you mentioned, the the, the sex being a primary risk factor. But, but but guys sometimes think that they're not obligated or have no accountability. And, you no, know, Reverend Perry, you and I have talked about the uh, accountability and and love that men should show in this regard. Any, any comments in that regard?
0: Yeah, I I think that one of the things that uh, just as we had the women a part of our prostate study and we said women should say not only have have uh, shows where men talk about prostate cancer, but have women, sisters, mothers and daughters also plead the case, plead the blood, if you will, (laughs) plead the case to our men how important it is. For them to be around and in, to do that, that means that they need to get this, they need to get the prostate checked. Uh, and, and so we got to work together as, as a family to do that. But let me, let, parenthetically, let me also simply say that in terms of medical apartheid in this country, I was reading an article about the Free African Society in New York. And um, one of our ministers at, the, at our African at Mother Zion Church mentioned the free african society in 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 uh, new york and in in the early 1827s when scarlet fever ran high uh one someone put out the the memo that black folk wouldn't get scarlet fever that we were immune to it like we were that our genes that just because we were black so they had all these black nurses to go in to do but the white nurses and some of the white doctors didn't want to do, like moving the bodies, touching the bodies, um, being nurses to the patients. So it, I think it's this kind of myth, and it's, and it's still real in, in the medical world today, that they think that we are, that, that we are not as immune or mm-hmm. affected by these diseases because we're supposed to be, you know, of a different species. But mm-hmm. really, we are all humans, and we all, we all are uh, vulnerable. And so I think it's important for us to note that even if you are a black woman, you still have the same uh, chances, the same risks. And you really probably more so than others, because we have uh, we're affected by these social determinants of health. Growing up in our household with our parents, our folk don't, many of our women don't even know anything about genetic testing. Or that, that you can have an um, a MRI or an ultrasound. You know, these are the kind of things we need to let them know about. Mm-hmm. That's so important.
2: Let, let let me, not let me only talk. do people not know about uh, genetic testing, some people don't know about mammograms. I mean, they don't understand mm-hmm. because oh. I feel like mm-hmm. if I wasn't in this field I wouldn't understand that much about it. I don't know that I would really pay attention mm-hmm. and I don't, cause with, with my knowledge, I've been able to motivate my friends, motivate my sisters, motivate my, um, educate my daughters about breast cancer. And that's because I am like, I've been in this field for about 10 years, but I don't know that I would have paid that much attention or took this so seriously in hindsight, unless someone would like personally talk to me or have an event and I hear a story and it just actually resonates with me.
3: Mm. And and
1: Reverend Perry, we've talked a little bit about it. I believe you've had some conversations with your daughter as well in this regard. And I think this kind of ties into uh, Abigail's comment about the Spreading the word, spreading the gospel, getting the information out not, not only through media but through through personal networks yeah, with see, us.
0: i think I think that men feel that that is a personal feel mm-hmm. you know uh that we're not supposed to even have comments about mm-hmm. you know uh but when you got children, you want to make sure that they they they're okay, mm-hmm. and so there is no there is no subject off limits
3: mm-hmm.
0: when you love your family. And you know that their their uh, health is at risk. And so for dads, it's not just a question for moms doing it. Dads, if they're around, they can do the same thing. Baby, when you go get your mammogram, or you need to get one because you're that age, I just want you to, you know, it's okay. Please make sure that you, I mean, those are the kind of supportive ways I think men can support women here. And 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 also support them with if the outcomes are not, Yes. What 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 we would want them to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a strong support system, and you know with the breakdown of of the families and the black community, sometimes that's difficult because the father's not at home, uh, or he's somewhere else. I'm not naming for he might or might not be, but he's not <laughs> present when he needs to be. And and girls need their dads.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to throw this out to Reverend Clayton and Reverend Perry and, and, and Mrs. Washington. Uh, in terms of even some of your the, the, the youth groups that you might have at your church, is either at, uh, your church in Bridgeport or your church in Brantford. Uh, do you think you should even, is it too early for a teen group to address this topic with a teen group? If, if you have, say, someone like Mrs. Washington come in to kind of chat with the young people, even yeah, teenagers. Right. Would that be too early, Reverend Clayton?
3: In my opinion, the earlier you start to share these important things with Mm -hmm. youth and children, the better. Mm -hmm. um, Because if you wait till they get 30 years old, uh, it may be too late, or they may uh, become aware of the myth that's already floating around. So it's never too early. And the other thing that I want to share uh, that Sister Washington spoke about earlier about diet diet is it, it, so important to every area of the health, mm-hmm. and we, we got to uh, sound the trumpet about eating correctly now I, I myself have a, a problem with with a little sweets <laughs> but but uh, and, and I'm trying sister Washington I'm <laughs> trying to do better <laughs> but but we in terms of breast cancer um people don't 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 make the connection but uh healthy eating and exercise is vital to our health can i get an amen amen,
1: amen. Yes. yes amen, amen. amen. I, I want to circle well, back i would just you. like to oh, say please please my, Smith, please
2: okay my daughter um she's 21 and of course i talk about mammograms all the time because i've i've done clinicals for mammography I've done clinicals for sonography. I've had to take the time to study. I've, I've studied extensively in my home and I've talked about it all the time because I would ask, I would just, you know, when you're studying for something, it becomes a part of your vocabulary and then that becomes a part of her vocabulary. So my, she called me about uh, a month ago and said, mom, I just opened the mail and I got a letter. It's time for your mammogram. So Mm. Mm. if she wasn't educated about that, how would she know to say Mm. that? Mm. And I said, wow, Tiana, thank you so much for um, letting me know and reminding me. And as um, Reverend Clayton said, it's, it's not too early because she's motivating me and reminding me, and then she can talk to other people about it, or to her friends, you know, and that may mm-hmm. save a life or motivate someone to come in for their screening.
1: And, and uh, Reverend, Reverend uh, uh, Perry mentioned the gene testing, and we've heard in the, the literature and in the news about the BRCA gene testing. And and uh, Sister Abigail, I know you're not a not a, an MD, but I wonder whether you, you would like to comment on that as well.
2: I know that if you have a family history or not, and you're interested in the, the BRCA gene testing, you should definitely talk to your doctor about it. And I don't feel like um, having it early is, I mean, it's, it's not, um, you can have it done at at any time, mm-hmm. and that way you know is if you actually carry the gene or not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: good good reverend perry I, the the beauty of doing the show with you is knowing knowing that you take notes and we could talk an hour or two even we could do a two hour show or even a three hour show, and then reverend Clayton could talk about his food recipes also, so we we, we could we can do it to a whole. Little, uh, afternoon show, but just wonder, Reverend Perry, if any, any thoughts you might have uh, in terms of what we've discussed thus far
0: well well, Tom, I think that um, when we when we open the door to uh, the gene therapy, we really open up a, a, a real window of the future in terms of medicine and prognosis mm. i mean angelique Juliet who who did the gene therapy and realized that she carried that gene had enough money to to have her breast removed and had new breasts put on. Mm-hmm. Something that black people could not afford to do and probably would never think of ever doing. I mean, one of the things about us as a people is we wait till the, uh, we wait till the last minute. We wait until we've already been diagnosed with stage three, stage four, whatever, mm-hmm. before we really react to stuff. And that's, that's something got, we really need mm-hmm. to, to work on. And the other thing is we can't depend on God because God did not bring this, this, uh, this plague upon us, the sickness upon us, but God is there when it, when it, when, when, when we are there. And he's not telling us just to put our trust in him that it, that he's going to eradicate it, but he's giving skills to the doctors, the hospitals, and to the science. Mm. That's where we've got to, as clergy and the community people, we have to point people to the science. So if it's genetics, if it's the mammogram, if it's the ultrasound, we've got to be supportive of that effort so that we can, we can give the right information, timely information, if we're going to be effective in, in, um, in trying to change the outcomes, particularly with people of color, just like, just like in, the, in the pandemic. America act like they didn't know that black people were so far down under the ladder, and it only surfaced when they saw so many of us dying and so many of us hospitalized Mm -hmm. that they knew that there is some kind of disparity in America with regards to health care. We've got to change that. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Whether Mm -hmm. we gotta do it through legislation, whether we gotta do it through programs like this, but we need to we we can't wait for somebody else to make the change. We we're here. We've got to start where we are, in our communities, and wherever we work, wherever we live, to change those outcomes.
1: And, and just as Reverend Perry was, was chatting, uh, Sister Abigail, chat with us about, because even some people don't even know when, you, when I go in what, what questions to ask or what questions I want to get answers to. And I've heard people say, well, make a little list, but when, you, uh, when you're meeting with your radiology techn- technologist, what kind of questions should you ask? And it's not that you want to come in and say, oh, I know more than you, but it's just for the, I think for the the, the, the the health professional to know that you're concerned, you're interested and you're going to follow through. So share with us some of the questions you think you should, a person should ask.
2: That's a question that I, I really can't answer because sometimes I'm not on the, the back end of things where oh. people are asking questions to the radiologist. I just know that when a patient comes into my, um, when they come into a mammogram for me, I always educate them about something, you know, about, um, and and they can, they, so I make them free and comfortable to ask me questions yeah. um, for me to explain everything to them, to just bring that comfort level um, um, to mm-hmm. the patients. And so that's where I come in at.
1: Okay. About to,
2: Tom, Tom uh, let me just say this. Please. I think that
0: that um, she isn't telling the whole story here because <laughs> well. if I was a black woman and I was coming in and I was seeing someone who was not my color or not my kind, I might not feel as comfortable. And I know I, I, I one time asked um, uh, a radiologist something about my test and I knew he wasn't going to give me the answer, but I was hoping he would read it <laughs> for me. And he said, no, I'm going to give this to your doctor. But, you know, he, if he had been a person of color and he smiled at me and said, it's okay, mm-hmm. that would have been enough <laughs> without him yeah. even telling me what my outcomes mm-hmm. were. And that's why I think that we have to change the number of people like that are doing the job that Sister Washington is doing. Now, she And that
2: is true because some of the patients that come in and they see me and I get them to the room, they're like, Oh, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I got you. I was wondering if you were going to get me or pass me up. So they are happy and comfortable with me doing their exam as an African-American woman. They, they, some people feel like they can just relate to me and I make them comfortable. And so that's, that's true. I also would like to share a story about um, when I discovered a, a breast, a lump. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always telling my ladies, hey, you know, time, get to know your body, you know, your body better than anyone else. And I was constantly saying that like, oh, you're feeling for a little small pea, like uh lump. Cause, cause people always like, what are you checking for? But it can come in like a few different forms. But I do know that it can feel like something small and hard, like a little pebble. And so I was always like, you're, you're looking for, you know, um, a pebble or, or a pea-sized lump. And when it came down, so I was just actually one weekend... I I actually felt a lump Mm. and I thought, hmm, is that a lump? And so a part of me did not want to deal with it. Mm. And I thought that is a lump, something that I've never noticed before. And so I went to work the next day and I was telling my coworker about it. And I said, I feel a lump and I want you to just examine it. She was like, yep, you have a lump. So we got an order to do my mammogram. I'm looking at these images and I'm like, whoa, this is a breast cancer. And I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. So I I have an ultrasound and then it's still inconclusive. I have a breast MRI with contrast a week later. And I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking I have cancer. I was trying to trust God and believe God that everything was going to be okay but I'm looking at my, I can see my pictures. And so, um, I had the breast MRI, um, still inconclusive. Um, the doctor wants to do the biopsy. So I have a biopsy and I can remember walking through my house one night and I was literally just so nervous. I was trying to be calm. I was waiting a week for my biopsy time to come. And I just like, in my mind, my hair fell out. It grew back. I died. I came back (laughs) alive. You know, I was, my kids was standing over me in a casket, you know, all of these things, even though I have faith, I'm still a human. And all of these things just raced through my mind. And I was Mm. trying to close my mind. And so when I had the biopsy, um, the results came back as, um, hyperplasia something but it was it was a benign um finding mm-hmm. but it was a radial scar that mimics a breast cancer so if you look up radial scars they mimic a breast cancer so my breast I was turning a certain age and it made um a fibrocystic change and that fibrocystic change mimicked the breast cancer and so you're looking at this and so in 30 to 40 percent of women that um, radial scar turns into a cancer. And so I had to make another decision. Mm. Do I just let it go, get my mammograms every year, or do I have it removed and just not worry about it? So I opted to have that lump removed and they tested it again. It was benign and I didn't have to have any radiation treatment, but it opened my eyes to what people go through and what they experience and how people can overlook this because some people just don't want to face the fact of a lump Mm. oh my Mm. gosh i have a lump let me just keep going about my daily business hopefully it go away hopefully i'm healed you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so for me it gave me a better understanding and more compassion for people that come in for their mammograms
3: wow
1: yeah, oh, that's really
3: for sharing that. That was powerful.
1: That's that that's telling our story. I'll tell you. That's tell, telling our story. Can
3: yeah, yeah, I just make a comment? please. One of the most powerful parts about this, Abigail, this is her life's work. Hmm. And and she went through the same thing mm-hmm. that the lay people go through. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. she goes through that, how, how important it is for us to keep sounding the trumpet about making sure if you feel alone, regardless, right. get yourself checked out.
2: Mm-hmm. That
3: that That's an awesome story. It is awesome.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Or if you know if you have nipple discharge and that's something new for you, yeah. you know that you haven't had a baby for 20 years and you have a nipple discharge that should be concerning to you. You know, if you know that your breast is making, like, some major changes, that's, like, a concern, you know, for you to um, follow up with your doctor right away to get yourself checked. Because as um, Pastor Perry said that... um... (laughs) So... (laughs) goodness I should just get a hold of myself but um so just just following up with a doctor um soon enough is or earlier before it (laughs) spreads that's what I want to say because if it spreads into your lymph nodes you know so um Tom you were saying that catching a cancer in its early stage, within a five-year period, your survival rate is 99%. So that means you're going to survive it. But once it moves into the lymph nodes, into other areas, you're creating more problems and Mm. your survival rate actually Mm -hmm. drops down to like 27%. Mm. That's huge. Mm. So... It, that's why it's so important to to follow what you're a doctor and not let things just um linger on
1: and and if if i could just say uh S- sister watching after doing the shows for so long because you told that story on air that brought up a lot of emotions that brought up a um, lot of a lot of emotions in you so again we could have just ended this show right there <laughs> or or had a prayer or even just took took a moment because i i felt it and you know, I'm not the person that that they've gone through that. So emotions do drive us so much. And this show is talking about don't let your emotions hinder you, but but feel and embrace your emotions and then and act act on it. Uh we have about eight eight or eight or so more eight or so more minutes. So as as things might occur to you, let's kind of jump in. But but Sister Washington, I wonder whether you might want to comment on uh, although men are not as prone to breast cancer as women, but men do it is it is men do catch some men can catch. Breast cancer. Would you would you mind uh, chatting about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, we know that one percent of the two hundred and over two hundred and thirty thousand cases each year, one percent of men get breast cancer. Although it's predominantly in women, men can get it. And I remember the story about uh, Beyonce Knowles. Her father um, got breast cancer, and he was telling a story about. How he had blood on his um shirt, and he was training people for sports, so he thought that maybe he bumped his breast right mm-hmm. and so um the next and so he didn't pay it any attention and so the next day he saw more blood, and that prompted him to go to the doctor well after he went through all of his testing, he was diagnosed with breast cancer, and his mother and I think two of his mom's sisters had breast cancer. So he was getting those genetics um, from his mom's side of the family. So we know that men do get breast cancer. If you feel a lump and you know that it's something new, sometimes it's due to medication changes or just um, maybe fat. I don't know. But Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes <laughs> there is a palpable lump, but you just want to get that checked out to have a peace of mind and as well as women, because you could feel something and it could not be anything for a man or for a woman, but you want a peace of mind about all of this, getting it checked and getting the okay from the doctor that everything is okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thoughts, gentlemen, as we kind of wind up, we have a good, a good 10 minutes and so, so dive in. And yeah, share well,
0: I want to say the Richard Roundtree also Shaft had -hmm. breast cancer Mm -hmm. and, and survived uh, wonderfully. But the thing, the the question I want to ask uh, Sister Washington is that, you know, like in ministry, the rewards in ministry are few (laughs) and sometimes rare because it is not a job, it's a vocation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we see other people succeed that's part of the of the uh reward it is that we get just just helping people now mm-hmm. you mentioned to me about this patient <clears throat> who gave you a coin could you tell that story
2: <clears throat> yes i can and i so when i meet a person no matter what I always try to make because I know we all have insecurities and I want people to feel safe and I want them to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and even if people may not want to see me or act like you know hey I'm this person I don't want to deal with you I still try to find a way to connect with people that's just a gift that I have and so I had a particular lady and Um, I was seeing, I thought that it wasn't gonna go so smoothly, but I just kept, you know, saying little things, connecting with her. And by the time it was over, everything was fine. You know, she was smiling and when she just said, you know, um, thank you for your kindness. And when she did that, um, she, she told me, she said, I have something for you. And she had her hands just like this. And I said, what is it? And the only reason I asked what is it is because I wanted to take in what she was saying to me, Mm -hmm. because the energy between she and I was like pretty powerful and peaceful. Right. At the end of the exam. And I just wanted to I mean, I didn't I didn't know what it was, but I wanted to know what are you giving me? Right. So I can just. Know why, and, and she said, I just have something for you. And I said, Why? And she said, For your kindness. And so she gives me um, this token of kindness. So there's a little heart, and it says kindness, and it's a kindness token. Hmm. And I was like, Wow. So she hands it to me, and she said, I'm giving to, this to you because you're so kind. Someone gave it to me. And they told me to pass it on when I meet the person that's supposed to have it. And she Mm -hmm. said, when you meet the person Mm -hmm. that, um, that you're supposed to give it to, you pass it on. And it says, I give you this token for your kindness to me. Now give it away and you will see how one act of kindness can change the world. And that touched my heart so much all day long. I just held on (laughs) to this and thought, oh, my gosh, this one act of kindness has changed my life. And then I have the opportunity because I bring it with me. I can pass it on to someone else when the time is right. But in fact, I don't even know if I want to give it away because it (laughs) means so much to me.
1: (laughs) Oh that's that's powerful, that's powerful. <laughs> oh, everybody we have about five, five more minutes so as the spirit moves oh, you in terms of boy. thoughts or concerns <laughs> that you might that you might have that's a powerful story absolutely i'll I'll jump in. I noticed you have on your 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 pink sweater. Have you worn it every 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 day this this month or just for, just for the show?
2: <laughs> you know I have tried to wear some type of pink every month where there's pink. Uh, sneakers, or a tank top, or um, a jacket, something um, pink every month, in honor of, you know, the people that's being diagnosed with breast cancer, and in honor of the survivors.
1: Indeed. Let, let, let's, let's, talk, the question that jumps into my mind, just as you mentioned, that Sister, Sister of Washington, the, the threat, there's the, not only the survivors, but the thrivers. Talk to me about, do, do people still get, are you still in touch with folks, the folks I I I like the term thrivers versus even survivors cuz people are sure. still moving on with their lives. So share a little bit about yes. your, your perspective about that.
2: Um can what's the question again in, in I'm so sorry.
1: Of, in terms of people uh thriving thriving after after this this medical episode and and just just your thoughts that this is it's not it's not a it's not a death sentence to 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 to, to under, undergo this diagnostic effort.
2: Right, because um, back home, one of my patients in particular, um, we have always stayed connected to each other. She's been a woman that I I see in the community at games and different events, and we're always to see good, happy to see each other. But she told me that um, one of the reasons that she is now thriving is because of the support of a husband when mm-hmm. she went through the cancer he did so much to to support her and to comfort her through the process mm-hmm. and I feel like that's so important um, for people to um to thrive because you know support is everything like we can't do this on our own. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think, oh, you know, I got this, um, God's got me, I'm just gonna do me and do my own life. But in fact, we do need each other because when mm-hmm. I had my biopsy, I mean, I summons for the whole world to come. I brought my sister out of Dallas, my sister out of Indiana. I had my sister from back home. The nephew was there and it was doing COVID and the people said, don't bring but one person here. I broke all the rules. Oops. I had all of my family waiting outside for me. And they could have waited in the car, but no, I just like broke the rules. But it was so comforting to have family there to support me. And so that just, that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm.
1: Excellent. 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 Reverend Clayton.
3: I I I want to just add to what uh, Sister Washington just said. Just yesterday, I, I walked in the, the TV room and there was a lady who had uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer, and and what she was saying that her husband was was the guy that really really helped her get through hmm. um, it. Um, it was just a wonderful story that. At her lowest point, he would never let her get low. Mm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so the connection with loved ones and family in any
0: illness is vital. Yes.
2: I agree. Yes.
0: And I, I would also add to that, Reverend, that, that God plays a strong part in healing. Even though mm-hmm. I, I trust the science, statistics show that people who have this faith in God seemingly have better outcomes and I would be remiss as a pastor not to at least give my Lord and Savior uh, <laughs> a pat on the back here because it's when you it's when you have something that you can believe in when you believe that God is able and you trust him I mean that helps mm-hmm. with the healing process that, the, that so medicine and science are going hand in hand here and I think that's part of what we do with at YCCI we, we, we bring the faith part to the science part. And I think when you put them together, you have a powerful force working for good.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I Sister agree
2: Washington, with that. Sister,
1: Sister Washington, we have 30 seconds. I want to give you, the, give you the last word. If you'd like to uh, share.
2: First. We have 20 seconds. I ask God what for a long time what is your will for my life and i said Mm -hmm. what is your will i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing in my life what is your will and i also told the um, pastor back home and he said don't ask god what is his will seek god and his will will be revealed to you to you Mm -hmm. and when i started seeking god it was a week later that God revealed that I was going to be working in mammography one of the girls resigned she would move to another city and I was next in line to take the mammography position so seeking God his will was revealed to me oh, here dear. I
1: am thank you for telling telling your story
2: let's get
0: I'm ready to go now you gonna face the door you waiting for I said from night to dawn, I right my wrongs alone, in competition with warnings, ice galore. Now I'm running toward it, my lights are finished, being a quitter, but little, little by little, they're joking, telling some riddles. Now I'm in my section, ain't willing to
1: give up. Know you getting knocked down, but you gotta get up.